people have always described me as being bold, mm -hmm. but I never really thought of it of like, I'm being bold, I'm gonna do something bold. It's just kind of almost like reflex. It's almost a reflex for me because I'm just, um, I wouldn't call it bold, I would call it audacious. And so I'm very audacious and I've heard people say like, wow, you're so strong-willed, but it's also because I know my actual will. I know mm -hmm. God's will for my life. So when you have that understanding yeah. of who you are and where you're supposed to go, then you can be strong-willed into getting there. So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I want to invite you guys to Sidebar ATL here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sidebar, on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room, in the gold room if you want to try the top of the line hookah, and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you want to blow off some steam after work, you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out, 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta, or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it, work and play at the same time. Right? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and today we have a really, really dope expert. I said expert, a question expert. Listen, I am so excited to have a conversation with you. I'm not sure if you're ever on this side of the table, but when a question person gets to ask a question expert I know, question. I know. It's a big deal. It's a big honor, like you said. I'm usually, the roles are usually reversed for me, so. I'm gonna to try to not ask you questions naturally in this interview and answer everything that I'm here to do. So thank well, you so much for having me. I'm very 100%. excited. 100%. Thank you. I'm honored for you to be here. And ask away, child. Most of the time, um, I'm super, like in my real life, people are like, you always interrogate me. Yeah, same. So, <laughs> I'm okay with yeah. being interrogated. Same. So this is all about, you know, one, two people who have um, found their niche, niche, yep. and um, are on their own personal journey but one we get to we get to talk to miss nisha yes rogers i'm very excited so so yeah uh, i am the question expert like ariel just said i'm a master interviewer i've always loved doing it i've always loved asking questions um ever since a young age and so i do as of right now have my own podcast called finding your niche with niche and it kind of stems from me asking that question which is a big question that most people ask is yeah. What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? What is my calling? What is my niche? Yes. And so um, I think that's that's an important question. One, if not, I would arguably maybe one of the most important questions to ask yourself. Yeah. And so um, on my podcast, we kind of facilitate that conversation of what are you supposed to do? What is your purpose? And how can you uh, refine or niche down? And so the name, my name is Niche, so it's just kind of like a fun way to say it, but yeah. Yeah, no, but you're right. I think that um, in entrepreneurship, it is one of the foundational questions that you should ask yourself in business. But when you're interviewing, do you ever find, or I'm sure you do mm -hmm. find that that niche question can, can go to anyone in any type of profession and you can go down so many different routes. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes I have people on and they, I usually, I try to keep people on to come and talk about what is their main niche, but you know, being in entrepreneurship and then eventually sometimes that develops into becoming a serial entrepreneur, you have mm -hmm. multiple businesses. So sometimes, yeah, the conversation can kind of get astray, but I try to always like gear it back to the foundation of like what we're supposed to talk about. What is the niche that you're currently practicing in and what is the niche that you're making the most strides in? So it kind of varies, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's spot on because that person does only occupy one space yes. or one industry, mm -hmm. um, but sometimes people do multiple things and then we kind of touch on those two as well. So it varies. Yeah, you talked about the veering off, right? And so what people may not know is as an interviewer, we guide the conversation, yes. especially when there's a, a topic at hand. But internally, I always get distracted. We were talking about this before yes. the podcast started. So <laughs> I'm curious, like when you're interviewing people, where does your natural curiosity go? I think for me, the way that I like to explain interviewing, or at least my process, is kind of like dancing, right? I feel like the interview itself is essentially a dance. So if you're, let's say, for example, if we're doing ballroom dancing mm -hmm. and you take, your, you take your left foot forward, that means I have to take mine back. And then when I come forward, you have to go back. So I kind of feel like, to me, the way that I explain an interview process is literally like us having a dance. Mm. <clears throat> and so we're taking turns 
And I also like to explain it as we're having a listening exchange. So it's not just a conversation, we're having an exchange of listening to each other. And so I think of it kind of like that, like, okay, let's dance. And so sometimes, um, since it is my platform and it is kind of like my responsibility to facilitate the conversation and make sure that the information is you know, understood and known, um, yeah, I do have to kind of like make sure that I lead so to speak, in the dance and make sure that you have to kind of balance. It's hard because you have to balance two things. You have to make sure that your audience is getting what they want while at the same time not compromising your guest um, comfortability and what they want to speak or talk about. Yes. So that's why I say it's kind of like you have to know how to do it. It's very strategic um, and you have to be kind of, you have to be skilled at it. It sounds easy like, oh, I'm just going to ask some questions and then start a podcast. But uh, to be a good one or to distinguish yourself, you have to know how to like balance those two concepts. Absolutely. Are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now, I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now, here's the thing. If you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app. And I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community. We have a book club. And it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get a head start on entrepreneurship so if you're still trying to grow you don't know what your business is going to be but you know you want to be an entrepreneur this is the community for you so check out the morning meetup click the link below download the app and join us today you mentioned like the the guest comfortability yeah how often do you find yourself wanting to know more but then also being <laughs> like oh but we on camera <laughs> uh, it depends and i think that goes back to like your pre your preparation for the interview and mm. what you can where you you know where do you have liberty to dig a little bit deeper and where you're like okay no that's a hot button I'll just you know stay away from that so for me I prepare the interviews I you know do my research on my guests I make sure I understand their background and I sometimes sorry I envy you because <laughs> the preparation already sounds like way more than I put it <laughs> I mean I love doing it so and also like. It's kind of like, you know, when I do videography, people are like, please, please, you know, do this, do this, make me look good. And I'm like, I'm going to make you look good because I want myself to look good. Mm -hmm. And so because you're your representation of my brand, my platform. So yeah. same, the same energy, the same um, exertion transcends even to into my podcasting and interviewing. I'm going to make sure the interview is good because I want to maintain this persona of being the question expert. So I'm gonna do my research. So yeah, so I do the research beforehand. Um, and then even sometimes if I know I can get in contact with somebody who's close to that person, then I'll talk to them about that person and have like another angle or another perspective of them. Yeah. And then I always ask um, when I do my pre-interview, I don't always do a pre-interview, but in the case that I do, I ask them, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Mm -hmm. So that way I know upfront, this is off limits. Gotcha. And so then I don't put myself in an awkward position of like asking a question and then they're just sitting there or they give me a cold answer and then the interview just turns cold. Like yeah. it's just bad. So if you do your research, if you prepare, you kind of know where you have some wiggle room to pry on some stuff. And then other other times it's like, yeah, no, don't ask. Yeah. Well, as you were, you kind of answered the question, but I'm curious, where does Nisha... Like, where do you go? Do you more so like to talk about career stuff? You, cause, so here's the thing. Some podcasts are all about money. Talk about the plays. Oh, yeah. Some podcasts are about relationships. Sometimes I find myself talking like a whole 30 minutes about relationships. Really? And I'm like, this is not a So like, where do, you, where do you have to tell yourself, dial it back to keep the podcast yeah. centered around the topic? Well, I think the cool thing about this industry that we're in is I've always just been fascinated by people. Mm. I've always been fascinated by sociology and how people interact with each other and just the whole cycle of life and behavior. And so to me, I'm really interested in what makes that person them. And so when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm like more so trying to learn topics and themes around what has guided them to behave a certain way or what has led them to um, accumulate a certain level of success based on who they are as a person. So I'm really big on people. I'm really big on what makes them tick. Mm, I yeah. love that. I've been a people person like for the majority of my life. I think that what I like about the way you ask the questions is they're very pointed, right? Mm. Um, I think we talked about this, but you know, some people have a way of like dancing around the yes. topic and yes. you sometimes you ask it like straight on, yeah. right? So when I think about 
your style, it is almost like, you know, an exploration of like what makes a person tick. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's ever, um, with your experience, like interviewing people, what reaction do you get from folks? Are they... I yeah. think I think my style is kind of like what you said. Sometimes I'm able, and it might be because my background's in journalism, so sometimes I'm able to just kind of like cut to the heart of the question and just ask it, which is very, it's actually easier said than done. It's hard when you're like, how do I just straight up ask? But sometimes that is like literally the only method to getting the answer is just to be kind of like upfront and straight, going straight for it. But most times the sentiment that I get when people sit with me is that I seem very warm mm -hmm. and I seem very inviting and then they mm -hmm. feel very safe. And so when people feel safe, they, they are more um, susceptible, susceptible to become more vulnerable. And then when they're more vulnerable, they're more prone to share things with you that they haven't shared with other people. Yeah. And that's why my tagline is that I get people to speak about things they haven't spoke about and think about things they never thought of because I present questions and ideas to them that they hadn't necessarily con contemplated until we're in the moment in real time. Yeah. And then, you know, breakthroughs happen. Yeah, selfishly, I like that too. <laughs> but then I've always been like, how do I let them know yeah. that I'm going to ask it so that they don't feel off guard? I tell them up front. Mm. I tell them that I'm here for you. I, have a, I tell them what we, what we just talked about, that I'm here for you, but I'm also here for the people who want to know more about you. And so just having that kind of understanding up front will help them to feel, um, I don't know, just kind of like be aware of, what, of where the conversation could go. Yeah. So yeah, if you're upfront about it, like, hey, I'm gonna ask you this, like these are things we want, you know, I'm gonna talk about some of these things, but yeah, getting people to kind of unravel, that's the tricky part. But the preparation, like you said, mm -hmm. arms you with that information so that you know where you might be curious enough to go. Yeah. And then they know that they can actually open up about certain things because you're aware. Yes. Sounds very therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, I would describe it that way. I would love to sit in your chair. Yeah, I'm a lot cheaper. <laughs> if you want to come and sit with niche and, and find your niche, it's probably affordable. So, yeah, I'm a lot cheaper than a therapist and get some of the same results. So, yeah, it's 100%. Fun. And technically, like, when the more someone talks about stuff yeah. and they have those light bulb moments, that gives them something to go into therapy with. Yes. Right? Absolutely. C coming from a, a, help, a, a helping professional perspective, that, that definitely someone who's able to till the soil. Mm-hmm. Is definitely valuable. I like in that, that analogy. Yes. Wow. Yes. I use it in my coaching all the time. Really? Yes. We till the soil because there's things. There are things that are so deep down in the surface. Yes. Right. Which is why I like the way you interview. Which is like, if you feel one, mm -hmm. the confidence to just go after it because you're curious. Great. But then yeah. sometimes you don't know what's under there. That's true. So we have to like you know kind of. Pick yes. it out, ask you a couple things, get you to explore, and then we get to the root of it. Yep. So, yeah. I love you, that. You're tilling the soil, sis. Thank you about your tennis soil. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know, but yeah, that's, that's dope. I like, I yeah. like the way that sounds. Okay. So, you mentioned your background is in journalism, mm -hmm. and I'm always curious about the career journey because people have toolboxes that they didn't even realize they yes. were accumulating. Yes. So, like, did it start with journalism or... Was Nish just, back there? With the I would say, well, I've always liked speaking, so I'm an international spoken word artist. So I've always loved the idea of mass communications, being able to get a message to the masses. Mm. So being able to talk to a lot of people at once, essentially. Yeah. And so I started doing that with poetry and then realizing, like, I've always kind of known, like, I have something important to say. And then I've noticed that when I do say it, people are very responsive to it mm. or they're very captivated by it. And so I knew like for at a young age, like God had told me that I was gonna be a talk show host. And so I've I always had that in my mind at 12, but I never really knew like, how is that gonna happen? How are the pieces gonna come together? How is it gonna come into fruition? And um, so I just knew like stay in media as much as you can. Um, so I kind of dabbled with helping out with people who already had their own like semi, you know, small level talk shows. Um, and then I went to school for media as well, for mm. film and broadcasting, got my degree and then got a job at a network, at a television network um, doing news. And there I got to be an entertain entertainment reporter and uh, production, lead production manager. And um, from that sense, I've always been fascinated about narrative. So when I was in news, it does get a little bit depressing because a lot of the news that's driven to tell stories are negative. Mm. You know, they're not the most positive things. And you when yeah. you turn on and watch the news, you're going to see more bad than good. Right. And so I learned um, that 
and news like if we're talking about some transferable skills that I use now from mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. is that I learned about narrative I learned about agenda setting I learned about um, the psychological elements of storytelling through that scope and then I thought I I can do whatever I want mm -hmm. I can be whoever I want because nowadays we really have no excuses like you've got a talk show right now <laughs> like we're doing it right now that is so true and so there's more power in that and I thought okay I want to leave out of here eventually and transition into creating my own narratives and being able to tell my own stories um, the way that I want to do them so yeah I became a videographer but have also been fascinated with the deeper meanings of things and people and circumstances yeah. and so yeah um, my background started in that journalist journalistic approach of wanting to know more mm -hmm. um, and then that's just led me to always ask questions and yeah and so now I have the yeah. podcast where I get to do that. Exactly. <laughs> and you take to this environment like water. The mm -hmm. way that you bring, the way that you show up in front of the camera is mm -hmm. very much like you, anyone would imagine, yeah, she's been a news anchor. <laughs> like you were, you were destined to be a news anchor because of the way you present. Okay. What I love is that you are super real though. Like yes. whenever you go, you can go to New Orleans, you can go to LA, every, every newscaster sounds the same and you almost feel like, is this person a real person? Right. Yep. But the beauty is I get a chance to see you on the other side of the yes. camera. So there was something that you were sharing. You said that when you noticed, you always want to have a TV show. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to stay close to media. Yes. That for me, that's, that's a strategic move. Yes. At that age, what were what was Niche doing when you decided like, okay, I need to stay close to media? What could you have taken to at that time? I think, well, for one, Oprah is like my go-to for mm -hmm. the way I want to be and live and act. So me and my mom, it actually was a quite a tradition for us. Every day after I would get out of school at four o'clock, we would literally sit down and watch Oprah together, like every day, Monday through Friday. It was like our routine. Oh. And, um, and so that, like seeing her and seeing that element and in her element, it just always resonated with me. I've always just known like, if I can just stay close to production or anything, like I'm sure I'll get, you know, get to that point. Um, and I always like to say too, like, I love Oprah obviously, but kind of like to what you were saying, I'm real. So I'm a hybrid and I feel like I have substance and like what I have to say, but I'm also fun mm -hmm. and kind of likable and relatable. So I, I try to say like, I'm a cross between Oprah and maybe uh, maybe Jimmy Kimmel or something or somebody like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I definitely um, see myself being a late night talk show host, but with still having the substance, still having the deeper conversations and more conscious discussions. And so, yeah, so I've always just made sure stay in media, stay in production, whether that be being a part of a club that dealt with production yeah. or befriending people who were already in those spaces and making sure I stayed in their radar yeah. and asked when I could help them or how could I serve. And so... Um, doing that has been a result of me being able to leverage those relationships and, and gain opportunities from them and then make strides um, in the given field. Were you ever, when we think about like, I think it's amazing how you have this natural inclination, mm -hmm. right? One, shout out to mom for sitting you down in front, of, in front of Oprah. <laughs> I didn't even watch Oprah growing shout up. Shout out to mom. Yes, every day, faithfully. So that's why I'm like, this is me. This is so me. It was destined. It was destined. But then from the career moves, who would you say um, was that person who mm. helped you out with making those career moves? It's just a couple of strategic. It's like it's very strategic. It's weird how God does that. You know, like it's weird how God places different people in your life, in your ecosystem. Yeah. And how everybody plays a very intricate role to get into where you where you needed to be. Yeah. So I remember we moved to Charleston. I From where? From Portugal. What? Yeah, we were overseas. <laughs> we were overseas for a little while. And so um, we moved to... Do you know the, the next, the question is like, were you an army brat? What were you doing? No, my husband is Air Force. Oh. Yep. So we were stationed out there for two years. Got it. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, but yeah, so we got to Charleston. I decided to take a, get a certificate in production. Okay. I, I did really well in the classes. I befriended my professor, um, who was very well connected in the city in production, um, spaces. He actually referred me to get the job at the news station. I was there for a little while, excelled there. Mm -hmm. They saw me there and also gave me the opportunity to become an entertainment reporter. And then after that, I was able to transfer to another station where they saw me and then I became an evening news producer. And so the way that I like to just explain being a producer, because I think that's a big part of, of 
of um, telling a story or having video is the producing aspect of it. Mm. How does it all come together? How does it all unravel? But it's um, basically as a news producer, you are responsible for for what people see and hear on a newscast. It's mm -hmm. all the producer. They write the scripts, they stack the stories, they decide which anchor is saying what, they decide what clips are being shown at what time, so it's a big responsibility. Um, and so I was given that responsibility that led to like other responsibilities when I went and finally got my degree in mass communication. And um, that led me to making some connections out here. So it's like, it's, it's very strategic. And then I had an, a, a, a moment where I was actually doing, I was a co-host on a radio station mm -hmm. um, in Charleston as well. And so it's just been different people, whether it be professors or co work colleagues or mentors um, who have helped push me, who have seen the vision and are like, yeah, go, go and do that. Now, I will say this for this podcast that I have in particular I never even thought of doing a podcast until last year. Mm. And I walked into the office one day and a friend of mine says, we're going to start shooting your podcast on Tuesday. And I'm like, I don't have a podcast. And he's like, you do now. And I'm like, on Tuesday, like a Tuesday is in like four days. And he's like, yes, Tuesday is in four days. We're going to start shooting it. And so after that, sometimes that's all you need is somebody else to say, just do it. Like, what do you keep waiting for? Things are not necessarily always going to just fall in your lap. You have to create them. Like what we're yeah. doing right now, you have to create the opportunity. Yeah. And so um, when he told me that, it never even dawned on me, like, that I could do that. Or, yes. the, you know, and now that I think about it, I'm like, this is the closest thing to getting to have an actual talk show. Absolutely. And so I'm so glad I did. And I always tell people the biggest thing is just to start by starting. Because for the longest, I was just like, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you are. And then... Now I have the show. I'm also picking up the fact that what I was going to ask earlier is like, okay, it sounds like there wasn't that one mentor yeah. who guided you throughout your entire career at, to this point. It sounds like you have had a vision, mm -hmm. right? You've done things and people around you have picked up on the, like the qualities yes. and they've put you in opportunities, yes. put you in places where you can continue to, you know, hone your craft and work mm -hmm. towards your vision. Yeah, and I think that's important because um, I heard Oprah say a quote before that there's no such thing as luck or if you, if you were to describe luck, it would be when preparation meets opportunity. Mm. And I think that's kind of been the um, biggest outlier in my path is that when the opportunities did come, when that people did present me with opportunities, I was prepared for them. I was ready. ready for them. So like the stars are kind of like always aligning for the most part. And I think that's key is to be able to um, be ready. You know, like we ask for things all the time. We might pray and like ask other people for favors, but it's like when it's in front of you, will you be able to walk into that moment in your fullness? Yeah. And I like it. There's a quote that Will Smith says that, um, that I really like. And he says, your, your talents will fail you if you're not skilled in them. So yeah, I can be talented all I want at talking and asking questions, but if I'm not practicing that, if I'm not trying to get, be skilled at that on my downtime, then they will fail me in the yeah. long run. So I think it's so important um, to just be ready for when yeah. the moment comes because it's coming. You never know when that door, on the <laughs> knock on the door is coming. Yeah, so true. I love it. Another thing that I'm thinking about when it comes to me knowing you and seeing you kind of develop in the same community it's your boldness. So like off the camera, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Nisha in action, but I'm, I'm recalling at the morning meetup meetup. Talk about psychology mm -hmm. and understanding people. You, one, you kind of are my spirit animal because oh, we sang the whole a milli, a milli from the start to the oh, finish. Yeah, yeah. And you said, if you guys want to be a millionaire, come to the front. Yeah. I swear we had a mini concert. We did. <laughs> have you always been, from a personality style side, have you always been that chick from six or seven? When, when did you yeah. notice that in yourself? You know, for the longest time, I kept blaming it on being a Leo. So, you know, people are like, oh, Leos are bold. They speak their mind. They're so blunt. So for the longest time, I kept doing that um, and saying that it was because of that. But yes, to answer your question, I've always been bold. People have always described me as being bold, mm -hmm. but I never really thought of it of like, I'm being bold. I'm going to do something bold. It's just kind of almost like reflex. It's almost a reflex for me because I'm just, um, I wouldn't call it bold. I would call it audacious. And so I'm very audacious and I've heard people say like, wow, you're so strong willed, but it's also because I know 
my actual will. I know mm -hmm. God's will for my life. So when you have that understanding yeah. of who you are and where you're supposed to go, then you can be strong-willed into getting there. Mm -hmm. And so that strong-willedness, that audaciousness, that tenacity has always been in me. And um, I just try to have fun with it. I've had to learn along the way of how to do it with tact because sometimes it can be misconstrued and it has been misconstrued, my mm -hmm. boldness for rudeness. And so um, I'm learning, I'm learning how to get better at doing that. But yeah, um, my ability to be bold has helped me in a lot of ways. I love that. Mm -hmm. And it creates an experience. Like you said, you like to have fun, right? Yeah. The thing about it, and we haven't talked about this part of your journey, but you were behind the camera for a while. Yes. Like that skill set of being able to pull people and bring the energy out yes. and create an experience, that right there, um, it, it builds a toolbox that, that most people don't even realize because mm -hmm. you get a chance to allow other people to have fun. Yes. So even in you doing that, it was the, the spotlight was on you. Yeah. But I remember that moment like that was my favorite it's part so of the concert. Funny. So what, what Ariel's talking about is that the morning meetup, we had like a little after party after the morning meetup meet event. And there was karaoke <laughs> and everybody came on stage and did karaoke. And then I happened to request um, a Millie by Lil Wayne and... Uh, when I went up there, like you said, I just called everybody if you want because everybody was just kind of like still in their seats And then I'm like if you want to be a millionaire come come down here and then I just rocked out. I just rocked out um, I don't know. It's just I Just like to have fun with it. I just understand what other people would find fun and so yeah. um, I'm very um, big on inclusion and so I'm like come on come down here. We'll all have a good time together, but yeah, that's just kind of like how it's always been. I love I love being behind the camera, like you said, but I've also like enjoyed thoroughly being in front of it. Yeah. And so that was a moment where I'm like, it's my time to shine and I'm gonna own it. <laughs> it was a picture perfect moment. Thank you. Thinking of your experience in, in um, behind the camera, mm -hmm. when was the first time you put your hands on a camera? First time I put my hands on a camera, ooh, let me think. I would say at least, at least like more than about a decade ago now at mm -hmm. this point. Um, but I learned um, when I did get my first camera was back in, I think, 2013, like my first actual camera. We got it for Black Friday. And I just remember being so excited about it, but also kind of feeling like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> but very excited to have it. And then I had a couple of friends again that kind of like, come on, Ish, like, I'll show you, you know, we'll you know, take you under our wing and teach you like exactly what to do and how to use it. And then I goes back to like, being able to do mass comm, right? Being able to have a message mm -hmm. um, that can reach many people. And video is a great um, entity that does that. You know, you can make a video one time, you're gonna make this podcast episode one time, yeah. and then thousands of people can see it and hear it. It's mass communication. And so um, I saw that I could do that through video and make very powerful videos and make very powerful messages that could essentially still be mass communication. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, and then there's different ways of doing that. You can be creative, you can be journalistic, you can be um, very like straightforward, cinematic. cinematic. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many variables and facets that you can contribute yeah. um, to shooting video that just make it um, you know, worthwhile. And so when I picked up a camera and I started like, wanting to tell stories through video, um, the rest is kind of history. So my favorite type of stories to tell are documentaries because going back to my news background, I love true stories. Mm. I love stories that are true. I love stories that really happen to real people. And so I love being able to give people that kind of um, opportunity to see what it's like to be somebody else for the day or what it's like, uh, what it takes to be that person um, through documentary storytelling. I love it. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that the camera was purchased as a gift first and then you explored it as like, oh, it does fit within the strategy? No, I was asking for it because I knew like I wanted to do video. I wanted to tell video. So I asked for it. And then when I got the camera, um, it I was just, like, yeah, I just fell in love. It was instant. It was instant. It's like it's like putting on a sock. It was like, oh, this is just the perfect fit. Like, wow. this, is, this is so me. Like, this is who I am. And so, yeah, I don't I don't I still pick it up. Um, you know, every now and then and get to tell these passion stories that I really like, especially mm -hmm. doing document documentary uh, filmmaking. But yeah, I th 
I envy it. One, um, for a long time, this podcast was shot with my cell phone. Hey, you got to stop saying <laughs> That's okay. And now I got the whole production, but I still am a bit intimidated by all the settings, right? Yes. To be like, okay, so I want the lighting to look like this, mm-hmm. not like what I have on. I looked at your camera, I was like, wow. <laughs> like, how did she set it up, right? <laughs> the technical part of it. Yeah. How much does that jive? Because Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is the necessity to stay close to the media. Yes. Because you have a vision to have a talk show. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads the career at this point. And then there's like the inclination to say, oh, wait, I can tell stories through a camera. Mm -hmm. So there's a route. There's talk show host niche. And then there's videographer niche. Yes, yes. So (laughs) at what part part in the like technical process of like the videographer Mm -hmm. how how deep do you like to go and then when you like okay yeah you know um, that's actually one of my I would say as a videographer as a storyteller a video that's one of my weakest things I'm not technical at all I'm not I'm not what it's at all that's absolute I'm not as technical as I am the other elements and I don't want people and that's a good that's a good question you're asking because people do get discouraged by that like if they don't really fully understand all the settings or things like that like you're not alone like I don't either (laughs) I don't either (laughs) but I'm out here making dope videos and I think that the uh, I would say the biggest thing that would attribute to making a dope video for me Mm -hmm. because there's a lot we're in Atlanta and there's a lot of videographers there's a lot of people who shoot there's a lot, I like to say there's a lot of people with cameras, mm. but there's not a lot of storytellers. Yeah. So yeah, you might understand aperture or you might understand color grading and white balance, all the technical things, but it's like, okay, great. It looks great, but at the end of the day, are people being moved? Are people being evoked after watching your video? Mm-hmm. If they're not, then you're just doing it for yourself. Yeah. And then what good is that? You just made a video for yourself? Nobody wants that. And so I would say that the biggest facet to you know being a videographer, if you want to pursue that, is learning how to be a good storyteller first and then that other stuff will come i love that Mm -hmm. i really do i think that in this space like as a um content creator or a client i'm oftentimes looking for someone who can tell a story and can brainstorm with me because the ideas are in here Mm -hmm. but again going back to tilling the soil i need something to help me figure out how to get what I see in my mind yeah. into the um, camera shot, and I'm not even too—I'm yeah. not even too tied to the the aperture or yeah, the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I just want to convey my story. Exactly. So that really does put you yeah. in a position where it's like it's, it's rare. Yeah, it's very rare. It's very rare. Yeah, I, know. I call myself the jewel of all trades, um, and and I'm excited to share that too because I'm actually. I love that you asked that question too. I think this will be my first time actually announcing it on camera or in public. But I'm actually starting a community called Chicks That Shoot. And so it'll be a play, safe space for women to come who are like, I don't really know how to, like I got a camera, but I don't really know how to use it all the way. Or I don't really know how, how do you put the pieces together to do storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is that the woman will walk away feeling dope, sexy, and cool while using a camera for video. Mm-hmm. And when I say dope, I, what I'm trying to say is you learn the camera competencies. You become dope at just having a camera, right? You learn about the functionalities, you learn about the basics um, in a very digestible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I say sexy, I mean you learn about the storytelling techniques. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying, like, oh, how did you decide to do it from that angle? And why did you do, cho- choose to do use that soundbite? Yeah. Making your, your video actually sexy through storytelling techniques. Mm. And then when I say cool, I mean, once you learn it, you can kind of manipulate it and create your own rules and, and to the point to where you can create creative impact. Where it's like, I've never seen nothing shot like that before. Now that's pretty cool. And so I want to create this community for women to be able to be dope, sexy, and cool while using a camera for video um, and just represent that and facilitate that energy where we can learn from each other, grow from each other, share videos with each other, and essentially do what we came here to do, which is tell a bigger story Mm. through mass communication. That's a niche right there. Hey, so I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited about that. So teaching women how to do what I've been doing. um, And then hopefully some of them maybe want to be in front of the camera. And they also want to learn how to use the camera. I can also like, you know, expend my energy to like explain that facet as well. Yeah, that's where my mind goes in Mm -hmm. terms of the person, the ideal client, right? Or the ideal community member. 
I, I see her as someone who enjoys being in front of the camera, mm-hmm. but the but the camera is the tool. So as much as you can learn about the technical part of it, yeah. the better you'll be able to even tell your own story. Exactly. And the more control you have mm-hmm. and the more power you have over how people interpret who you are. Mm. And so it's like when you understand like, OK, this is how I want it to look. This is the vibe I'm going for. This is the ambiance that I want, you know, in my set and my video. And then you can just present yourself in a way in front of the camera, like the way you want to be received because you have all the power in the world now. So, yeah, I'm teaching people how to have power. Ooh. Women, at least. Uh, I just got this pretty. I, you might not think it's dope, but I just got this dope analogy in my head. OK, so, you know, as women, we get the stigma that we don't know how to work a car. Right. Yes. We only know how to put gas in the tank. <laughs> and uh, I think that the empowerment of knowing how to use the car, it mm. really is what, what we're talking about here in the camera setting. Because I think a lot of women are at the mercy yes. of videographers. Yes. Who are maybe male-driven. I don't, I don't know the industry, but male-driven. Yeah. Oh, for sure, male-driven. And male-driven. they're not thinking about what we're thinking about. Exactly. But this is an empowerment. This is an this empowerment play. And confidence booster huh. for women to walk away and feel essentially more confident and more um, capable of being able to execute a vision Mm. that they originally had through video um, with the resources and tools that I can provide from my story, doing it over a decade now, Mm -hmm. um, to just feel like that. Because I I do agree with you, like especially with the analogy you're using with the car, my mom says, if you can drive, you can drive any car. Mm. So if you know how to do the fundamentals, if you can drive, you can drive a minivan or you can drive a Corvette. If you know how to drive, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. But once you learn the foundation and the framework for how to do it, you can kill it. And so that's what I, I plan to do is, is teach women how to kill it. I love it. I can see it. So we got the You can vision. see it? I'm good. One hundred percent. Me. I am totally not. So because I'm in this space, I get questions a lot mm-hmm. about the process. And I get to a point in my skill set where I'm just not even interested in answering that. Like, I only do the camera to the to the point where I can get the the questions and the content out so that my clients can understand Mm -hmm. how to explore their life. Mm -hmm. But to the point where you want to know all the stuff about like podcast technicals. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So a woman like me, absolutely. I want you to empower me with to use the the tool that I have. Yeah. Not particularly so I can shoot somebody else's like right. event, but so that I can be able to tell my story and convey the message that I have. Exactly. So I totally see yeah. that vision. Okay. And good. then I see the women empowerment. And then I think women empowerment always comes up against a certain barrier in society mm-hmm. and certain even to the point where a lot of your career moves have mm-hmm. been about like relationships. Like yes. In, in Portugal and, and when you moved to Charleston, mm-hmm. came to Atlanta, being able to be placed in these um, environments, rely on relationships. Yeah. As you've come to understand like your calling mm-hmm. as it comes to you just being who you are and then empowering others. Yeah. What has it been like to navigate like a male dominated area like photography and videography? Yeah. And trying to reach your goal. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. It's been interesting. Fortunately, I've been able to work with a really good group of guys. So I don't want to downplay, oh, they're not giving us opportunities and chances because there there are people out there who do give you these chances. That's kind of like where I am today because a lot of of my male friends who are in the industry with me and who are videographers have given me chances and and the um, ability to work alongside them. So I will say for me, it hasn't been a terrible experience Um, it's just been a noticeable experience Mm. of the disconnect or or the gap yeah and so I just noticed that and um, noticed that it's a problem that needed to be solved and so with me doing that the chicks that shoot is is to hopefully um, not extinguish men in the industry that's not what I'm going for it's just to create um, more opportunities and a more balanced um, 
space or a more balanced industry when it comes to shooting with male and females. And yeah. So, yeah, I haven't noticed, I haven't had, a, I don't have a bad story to tell about yeah. working in the industry more than I'm just saying, I just noticed there was a lack. Absolutely. It feels yeah. a, it feels a gap. Yeah, it does. It fills sure. a gap 100 percent. And this again, not to because what you're creating mm -hmm. doesn't extinguish anything. Yeah. It only elevates what's already needed. Absolutely. Yeah. So taking it all the way back, mm -hmm. young niche who is watching Oprah. <laughs> right. What other like what kind of things were you doing as a kid that, you know, could have been what you took to as a passion mm -hmm. or a hobby? I think like a combination of it being mixed with my personality, it's mm -hmm. just always been curious. Mm. So um, I recently learned that the psychologists, the way they define curious is, the, is wanting to know. That's it. It's just the uh, ability to want to know. Mm -hmm. And so at a young age, I've just always wanted to know things um, and understand things. I think my favorite question, if we were to look at the who, what, where, when, why, how, my favorite one of those questions is why. Mm -hmm. I'm a big why person. Yeah. And so I know there's a lot of five-year-olds who are big why people. Like everything is why, 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 why. And so I've just kind of always been that way at a young age. It's like if somebody tells me something or explains something to me or I... I'm in a situation, I'm always at, walking away from there, that moment asking why. Mm -hmm. And so um, learning that, um, that that's okay. I would say my mom created um, margin for me and my brother to be able to ask that mm. and, and ask why um, without being ridiculed or without being shut down. And so I would say at a young age, I've always been given the luxury of being able to ask. Cause you know, our culture, don't ask no questions you don't have nothing to say children don't need to speak and so thankfully and I have to just really credit my mom to that and my dad too essentially um they just have always allowed me to ask questions and so yeah. as a result of that I've been able to ask questions my entire life and so that's just kind of become my mantra is I think when you ask questions there's opportunities for change and positive change and so I've always kind of been that person where it's like, oh, why are you asking me that? Like you said, interrogating me. But at the end of the day, people walk away like, I'm glad you asked me that. Yes. Yes. 100%. I get selfishly. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't care how you felt about that question. But I know <laughs> that if you didn't think about it, now you thought about yeah. it. And the world is going to be a better place because if I'm asking someone a question who has a large platform mm -hmm. and they're stumped, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Yep. I just feel like you should for my I love your analogies because ours are so different because mm -hmm. I imagine like creating like new it well the fact is we are creating new new neuro um neuro paths oh, in people's brains that's true when they haven't thought about something we're yes. creating like we're knocking on doors that oh, they have that never opened so up so good yeah oh, wow that's really good and I I I think that that is 100 percent um where I take pride in mm -hmm. it. And I think that's probably why I, I, I like the coaching side of it. Cause I'm more about like, where's the, the mental growth here? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even too much worry about the presence, like yeah. my, like my camera presence. Yeah. But, um, I'm thinking about your mom and dad, you mentioned yeah. your mom and dad and how they created this environment for you yeah. to be curious. Yeah. And one, you said your mom gave you margin. So yes. you knew, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, I, there's yeah. some, I ask some questions. Yeah. yeah. Did they ha ever share with you what they wanted you to do or who they wanted you to be? Were they? Um, I'm trying to think. No, Dang. not really. I'm really blessed in that sense too. That my mom and dad, and maybe that's kind of like me. I don't know. We're just very chill, very go with the flow. All three of us. Mm -hmm. I wasn't raised with them in the same household, but we all have the same kind of energy. My mom is very like, go for it. Like whatever you want to do, yeah, do it. Go. That's her always. Her. She's is always she an saying, entrepreneur? Yeah, she's a life coach. How did I? Yeah. <laughs> she's a life yeah, coach? Yep, she's a life coach. And so she's always been like that. Her favorite saying, and everybody says it in our family when we're going through something that's that's an unfavorable circumstance, she's always says, isn't it great? Isn't it great? Because this is like changing your perspective. And she's always just had a very, very big perspective on life and, and what you could achieve and what, yeah. God, what God has called you to do. And so, yeah, I've always um, had that. Like, whatever you want to do, go do it. Go, yeah. And my dad, same thing. Just like, I'll tell him what I'm doing or what I got going on. And, and 
He's like, wow, that's cool. But I've never had them try to steer me in a direction of like where I should go. They've both, they've both thankfully been very, very open and um, respective of where I was trying to go. And you had a life coach for a mom. <laughs> that is that's a secret weapon. It is, definitely is. My mom was the first person that taught me the concept of knowing, the importance of, at least, of knowing who you are. And I would say, like, I would have to credit her even today, like having finding your niche with niche. Yeah. Um, it's just so important. And she made sure that I understood the weight of that at a young age of knowing who you are to help facilitate you um, and to help serve as the catalyst to get you to where you're supposed to be. Mm. And so there's just so much power, like when you know who you are, you know what you want to do, you know your skill sets, you know your weaknesses. Um, you know about your personality, you know your love language, you know your apology love language. Um, apology you, love language? Yeah, there's an apology love language. Tell me more! <laughs> so, yeah, so everybody's, most people are familiar with their love languages, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it's a very popular thing. Same guy uh, wrote, the, wrote a book called The Apology Love Languages, which is actually um, an exceptional tool to use to help navigate in your relationships, whether it be through family or friends. But basically the book teaches you how somebody can feel loved through you apologizing to them in the right way, mm. right? Cause so let's be honest, we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna miss the mark. We're mm. all gonna have to apologize at one point in our lives, yeah. probably many points yeah. in our lives. Yeah. And the book teaches you how the person that you may have offended, how they like to receive an apology mm. so that it's, um, so that it's just received in its fullness and the re reconciliation process can move forward. And so for me, my apology lay of language, I can't think of all of them right now. I can tell you mine and my husband's, but I know mine is restoration. So and I, I feel like they all begin with the R, but uh, don't quote me. But yeah, just look it up. Mine is restoration. So if something is done to me, I'm more interested in how are you going to restore what you just did? Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's just knowing that it helps for my husband to be like, not just come to me and say, I'm sorry, because I'm sorry doesn't work for me. Yeah. I want him to come to me and say, wow, I apologize that I did that. Now, since I did that, I'm going to do this instead. Mm -hmm. I'm going to restore it in this way. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like we have the ability to like be back in a space of harmony and love and peace. Um, and I can fully accept his apology because it was given to me in the right way. How has that been communicating that's a need of yours? Um, it's, it varies because we're human. So sometimes my husband do a good job at like remembering it. And sometimes he like will completely forget it. And he just doesn't apologize that way and vice versa. Sometimes I don't get it all the way right too. Mm -hmm. So it's actually just been in waves, making sure that it's consistent and then just kind of knowing it and knowing that having to come back to that. Sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board in mm -hmm. life where it's like, you kind of forget for who you are for a little bit and it's just like, wait, no, wait, what is going on? Like, no, this is the way that I like to receive love. This is the way that I like to apologize because you can lose yourself in your surroundings and mm -hmm. your sphere of influence. And so That's true. Um, it's important to be able to like know it for yourself in case other people don't know it. You can always remind them because uh, my mom does a quote, if you don't know who you are, the world will tell you. And so it's easy to get caught up in that because if you don't, people will just start saying, this is who you are, this is what you do, this is how you behave, and then you'll just become more prone to, to you know, portray those characteristics, not based off of your own ideas, but the ones that were given to you. Absolutely, and before you know it, you're describing yourself as others think you are. Yes. And you're not even doing yourself, you're not honoring the true yes. person that's inside of you. That is so true. Ooh, we Yeah, it's a whole thing. So yeah, I definitely, look up your apology love language. I love that. And see what they are. I can't remember all of them. I know I'm restoration. Um, I think there's a restoration. Reconciliate, don't quote me, just look it up. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I love the restore restoration because, yeah. um, and even like outside of it being a, a apology love language, mm -hmm. but when like when it comes to discipline, yes. when it comes to like just the way the world is, mm -hmm. we're very punitive, yes, right? We're very like, you did this, so I do this, mm -hmm. we you did this, so we're gonna do this to you, yes. And the restorative, there's you know, restorative justice where 
people experience something like rape or something and they don't get a chance to heal because you just threw that person away and now I'm like but what are you gonna do to make it better Mm -hmm. right that Mm -hmm. then it leaves you kind of going back to the love language it leaves you feeling like there's there's left like we're still left with the void to feel absolutely and I think it's so important that uh, we also operate from a uh, place of empathy Mm. the thing I try to remember is that like everybody is going through something. Everybody is not all the way where they want to be. Even if it does seem like they're successful or even if it seems like they're at the pinnacle of their of their life and their success or career, there's always an area that people haven't fully mastered. Yeah. Um, and there's always a space for them to become more whole in. And so when you look at people from this scope of that we're all just trying, um, you can respond to them differently because we're all in the same boat. And I would say that that would be the common denominators. Yeah, there's some people out here doing, but they're still trying to do that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's helped me to kind of like be more sensitive to where people are at, what mm-hmm. they're thinking, even if they're not necessarily treating me right. It's like, oh, okay. Like I see the areas where you still are trying to become whole at. Mm. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this conversation. Yes. I think about your definitiveness in knowing your vision and honestly, a lot of the opportunities that set you up for success and having a mom as a life coach. I think all of those things are wonderful. And then I think about you being in Portugal Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hmm, like being, then I'm like, okay, so what are the, the one media opportunities? Yeah. But I remember always thinking like, if I were be if I were to be uh, to be with a, a military man, mm-hmm. that it would be confining or something yeah. like that. Would you mind sharing a little bit about like what has that experience been like, yeah. like traveling, even though you have like this vision? It's like I've <laughs> yeah. never been like, oh no, I want to be yes. over here. <laughs> yeah, actually, for me, and this is like also thing that's like okay, that's unusual, but I actually love change. Love it. I like love change. I get bored very easily, so. God knew, must have knew that too. Like, so for me to be married to somebody who's in the military where things are constantly changing and things, it's rare that they stay consistent and the same. Um, that actually was like really fun experience for me because I like getting up and moving every three years and meeting new people and making new connections in different states mm. and having new experiences and learning new cultures. And so um, it's been a blessing for me. I will say the caveat to that is because there's so much consistency and it's so fluid with having to like move around and bounce around, I kind of had to put my education on pause. And so I didn't want to like go to school because I can't do online. I cannot do online classes. Gotta so be I knew like there. when I go to school, I want to be able to fully go and fully graduate all the way through in one sitting, mm-hmm. not just like keep going back and then trying to, you know, because I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah. And so I was saying like, um, it's just been interesting because even when we were overseas, I've always networked, I've always like been able to see the strategicness and and relationships and just having genuine relationships with people. Um, I was actually able to get awarded, which is not a thing either, but I was able to get awarded by the wing commander who's over the entire base. Really? Uh Yeah, he he coined me. So it's like a tradition that you do in the military, you get coined for certain things that you've achieved. And he just coined me for my leadership um, and hosting like different poetry events and speaking at different events on the base and stuff like that and so uh yeah it's always been fun for me because I'm like well I'm still gonna find a way to shine like even though this is my husband's path his career and I'm his helpmate um I've just been very outgoing very outspoken and always willing to see how to get involved so to speak Mm -hmm. and so there's been a lot of blessings that come from that and so yeah, I was winged. I was uh, I was coined by the wing commander of the base. I will say I have to credit my husband though, because it's kind of like we're playing tag team now. Mm-hmm. So he did his ten year career in the Air Force. I ended up he got out. I ended up going to school, finishing, graduating with honors, getting a student of the year award, winning for film festivals. Yeah, girl. So I, I killed it when I went back, and then now it's kind of like passing the baton, and he's really supporting me. Because I'm fully doing this entrepreneur life and he still works like in the corporate space as a stockbroker. And so um, I'm out here like being able to live out my dreams essentially and do the things that I want to do. And he fully supports me in that, whether it be financially, emotionally, intellectually, he's um, I'm very grateful for him because there's a lot of people um, in relationships where the male is intimidated by that or he is um, he's just 
doesn't want to do that maybe because he's very traditional and he wants the wife to stay at home mm -hmm. um, with the children and I will say my husband is the complete opposite because I started to feel that a little bit like all these opportunities and like having to go to certain places and have this busy schedule I started to feel bad at one point like do you think I should slow down or do you think I should stop you know I'm not spending as much time with our daughter and he said no say yes while people are asking you say yes mm -hmm. as much as you can and always live your life and have have it to where yes can always be on the table and so I'm very very thankful for him that he understands the mission and that he respects my calling and that he um, appreciates what I do contribute to to our relationship and to our marriage so I've been fortunate enough to be married to somebody who um, he just understands the assignment and so yeah, yeah. I'm very thankful. I, I think you're fortunate in so many ways and even the women I'm thinking of a woman mm -hmm. who comes into your community who can't quite see yeah that she can live the life that you've lived mm -hmm. right she can't like she might even be a military wife and mm -hmm. is more in she's more in the traditional or the stereotypical yeah relationship or dynamic and being able to see like ways that it is possible mm -hmm. to live out your dream and to have these conversations with your husband yeah. and to you know figure out what dynamic can you have right mm -hmm. i think that i'm just envisioning a woman who yeah and it takes some time like i think that when they do come in this space what i will be able to offer them is the opportunity or the ability to find their footing mm. it's not going to be the exact same like my circumstance is different from their circumstance but i will create a space where you have a, a blueprint of like okay here's some of the steps that I took that helped me and if you're in this position and if if you happen to be with someone or have a ch child here's how you can navigate that and if it helps you I can teach you the way I did it um, but it'll just serve as a blueprint for kind of like how I did it but the goal is just find your footing like you don't have to take off running like you can start by just finding how to like find the foundation of like just being grounded with where you are and doing what you can do with what you have with um, being in that specific moment of your life in that specific season. I love it. Good. These women are going to be opening up. Yes, I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> so excited. you mentioned relationships in so many different angles. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, how would it be if I were in like Portugal or any of these locations yeah. to reestablish relationships? Yeah. What have you learned in like um, networking or relationship building, whether it's personal or business, mm -hmm. in your travels, just along your, your life? Um, I would say the biggest thing that I think people let fall by the wayside, there's a couple things that are very important. Um, so if you're, I'll, I'll start with the first example. If you're dealing with somebody on a professional relationship, mm -hmm. I would say etiquette is like a big factor to where that really, how, how far that relationship will go. Something just as small as like email etiquette. Mm. Um, like how do you, how do you approach people? How do you speak to people? What is your body language when you're around them? Are you assertive? Are you tactful in situations where you're kind of like mostly supposed to shadow and fall back? Are you play? Are you reading the room? Mm. And so I think that has helped me in professional relationships, just the proper greetings and staying professional the whole time and then making sure that you're tactful that has helped me in relationships when it comes to just like friendships I would say a big part of that is like being able to relate and understand come up from a place of understanding um, and then some like just gigs and business like relationships I would say um, follow through has helped me tremendously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People forget to follow through, especially out here. You go to Atlanta and you go to a networking event and you meet different people and you're like so excited and you guys exchange Instagram information and then you go home and then you just go back to your normal life and you're like, who did I meet last night? Or, okay, that person followed me, but you don't really do anything with the actual setup. And so um, I think it's so important to follow through on these people that you meet and that these people that God prompts you or nudges you like you should know that person make sure that you don't drop the ball and you follow up with that person and like reach out to them again no matter how long it mm -hmm. takes so yeah like for instance track baby i've known track baby for a year now and i've always just like every quarter or every couple of months i would just hit her like hey how's it going i'm still interested in shooting video for you and da 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 da, -da. Um, and so she would always like, yeah, thanks so much. Like, this is where we are right now. And then it's like, okay, cool. It's not, it's not, the time is not now. But I still didn't get discouraged by that. I still like messaged her for about a year and a half until one day she said, did you see my story today or something? And I'm like, no, actually, I just happened to reach out to you. And she said, I actually just posted that I'm looking for a videographer today, like, like an hour ago. And I was like, God, 
That's yeah. so awesome. Like how God will just give you the insight and mm-hmm. give you the information. But if you're not obedient, if yeah. you don't follow up, if you don't follow through, then it's easy to get, um, it's easy to have like that become a detour mm-hmm. in your path because you could have like immediately gone here, but because you weren't obedient, because you didn't follow through and you weren't consistent, it kind of ventured you off. But yeah, you can always find your way back. It just might take you a take little bit Take you a while. Mm. Etiquette. Mm-hmm. The last one was follow through, mm-hmm. and the the third the second one was uh, understanding empathy. Yes. Empathy, yeah, and then mm-hmm. just caring about people, caring about where people are, and like I said, I've just always been interested in people, and mm-hmm. everybody likes it. Everybody likes to seem interesting. Everybody likes to be cared about. So I think if you remember that, then it's easy to have relationships with people because everybody wants to be seen. Yeah, whether it be a cam- through a camera or just through your own eyes and your own heart is like I just want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Understood, and so I've always just made that be um, a priority in my relationships with people is like understanding them to see how I could help potentially help them and mm-hmm. see you know if I could offer any any advice or any resources to help them go further and where they where they want to go. Mm. You know what I think is really cool. You're a perfect in front of the camera. Thank you. You are. Oh, thank you. You are. You are definitely meant to be on camera. I think that what I what I've learned a lot about people's lifestyles mm-hmm. is the first half is usually the foundation or the need that yeah. they were building on something else. And because you spent so much time behind the camera, mm-hmm. helping other people shine, mm-hmm. you know, supporting other people, yeah. I think that it's a great balance and even an ego, um, an ego check, mm-hmm. right? To be able to elevate others and put them out and understand them and yeah. the etiquette and the follow through, those are definitely technicals, but the people person mm-hmm. behind the camera. Yes. It sets you up to be the best person. Like, you know, when it's time, you know all yeah. the roles. Yeah, that is true. I never thought about it that way. I definitely accept that compliment and appreciate that. But Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's a setup. I think that um, this is only the next chapter. Yeah. Right? It's only the next chapter. And we, we always look back. And what I really love about success stories, about stories in general, but mm-hmm. success stories the most is it was, a, it was an evolution. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was a journey. It was a journey. It was a whole journey. And yeah, and I feel like, I feel like, it's so interesting that you say that because right now in this season in my life, I feel like I am at, it is a journey, but I feel like I'm at the cusp of something that's like big. I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like, you know how you can kind of sense if somebody's like walking behind you or you feel like something's behind you? It's kind of like that right now with my dreams. I feel like something is like, behind me getting ready to like literally catapult me to another level and I feel ready and I feel um, exciting and I feel available um, to be in the moment fully and present and so I'm just excited about what God's gonna do but I do feel like I'm in my element I feel like I'm in my zone I'm in my bag right now with with the podcast and and video and the connections and the chicks that shoot and so yeah it's just this is very exciting I love it (laughs) well listen Nish there are people who are listening to your story and I never want to forget the fact that there are folks who who aren't living their dream Mm -hmm. and who don't feel like they're close to the cusp but they want to get started Mm -hmm. and for you to really be familiar from your husband in the corporate space Mm -hmm. military space and entrepreneurship space and you being really good at like above all the relationships Mm -hmm. aspect of it Mm -hmm. what would you say and it may not even be relationships but what would you say or what would you offer to a person who is navigating their career Mm -hmm. they want to make stuff happen right maybe they didn't sit down like with their idol like learning Mm -hmm. how to become yeah right and so they have to be more intentional about it at 30. yeah what would you say to someone who's starting their journey now and they Mm want to be intentional about it um i would say to look at all of the variables that would have to change in order for you to get to where you want to be right look at what's around you look at the things look at the literal things that have to change that are the most important see if they can change or see if you can pivot um if it is if you do have the opportunity for example if that person is 30 let's say they are with they are with somebody who is working full-time maybe their their pivot is okay maybe i can't leave my job right now but i can go to part-time 
so that I work three days a week and then I can you know do my craft or perfect my craft the other the other couple of days so it can be like like that it doesn't have to be these big jumps just look around you and look at the variables that need to change and see how they can change mm -hmm. into what capacity they could change and then I would start there and then I would also say like follow your gut because your gut is like it doesn't listen I mean it doesn't lie to you like you have to listen to that thing especially if you can't ignore it I would say if, if you wake up every day and keep thinking about this thing and it just doesn't go away, you you want to go ahead and feed that hunger yeah. or else you're just going to end up being a miserable person. Now, whether you can feed it in its fullness is one thing, but at least start feeding it like, you know, bite, bite, bite. Mm -hmm. And I always like to think that like your next step can literally be your best step. And so um, with that, I would just say start small. You don't have to start big, like, you know, take it one step at a time, look at the variables around you. Um, meet the people that you need to meet and um, make sure that you that you groom those relationships and that you kind of like cultivate a bond with the people that are in the industry that you want to be in so that you at least have a person that you could go to for advice or for counsel and then maybe eventually for actual positions. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I and love pray, that. And pray of course. Pray. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to ask God, God what you want me to do? So yeah. Prayer. That's amazing. I think that you guys got a really good glimpse into the mind of niche. Like, I don't think that I, I don't even think your even your advice is very strategic, very easy. Look at the variables around you and decide which ones need to change. And then you can even attack it. Change the variables. That's true. Variables. And I'm such an analytical person. I love that. Listen, I've been getting energy Funny. off of your analogies all day. So absolutely. I really appreciate that. Those of you guys who are watching and listening, one, I know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who want to get connected with you, they want to learn more from you. And even when is Cool Chicks Who Shoots come out? Um, okay, so that is TBD. I will say by the summer. Okay. Yeah, by the summer, I will have at least like a soft launch of Chicks That Shoot. Um, and then if you're just interested in being on my podcast, if you have a niche and you're making strides in that niche, Definitely, I'm interested in talking to you so that you can come on Finding Your Niche with Niche. Yes. Um, if you just want to kind of see my content or look at other people who found their niche and use that as inspiration to get you closer to yours, you can do that as well by going to my Instagram um, under Finding Your Niche. Niche is spelled my name, N-E-I-S-H. And um, yeah, let's go out here and pursue these dreams, y'all. Let's go out here. Let's go be great, y'all. Yes. And until next week, I will see you guys soon. Peace. Peace. Good stuff.